Welcome, welcome, welcome to Wellbeing Wednesdays. I'm your host, Courtney Weaver. I am the director of WellWVU here at West Virginia University. And with me today is friend of the podcast, Akia Carter-Bosman, who is the prevention specialist with the Office of Equity Assurance uh, within the Division of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, which is a really long title. Um, but Akia has been on the show before. Love chatting with her every time I see her. So welcome, Akia. And for those folks who are not familiar with you or your work, why don't you tell us a little bit about your role here at the university? So much for having me back on the podcast this year. I'm so excited um, to have this discussion. So um, here at the university, I serve as one of the prevention specialists for the Title IX Equity Assurance part of the Division Diversity, Equity and Inclusion and a lot of what I do is have meaningful conversations and provide resources, support and trainings for students around bystander intervention, really that pro-social bystander intervention. So moving from just being a bystander to being an active acting bystander. But then also when we move into that action, what do we do? How do we approach it? How are we safe? And then on the back end, just really doing some really great comprehensive sex education along with your office, um, with students, teaching them about consent. And, but it also about healthy relationships, like what does a good friendship, a romantic relationship, or even a good academic relationship with our faculty, staff, advisors, and things like that look like? Yeah. Well, it's a good thing that you brought that up because that's what we're going to be talking about today, those healthy relationships. So, Akit, why don't you start with maybe breaking down what are some of the characteristics of a healthy relationship? And I guess we'll probably might want to categorize them what what like a healthy academic relationship looks like versus a friendship versus a familial versus a romantic right so for a lot of our students and faculty and staff listening to we have we don't exist in a vacuum right so we have different levels of relationships in our life so when we're looking at all 10 of these elements need to be present in any type of relationship whether it's your academic relationship, your familial, your intimate relationships, or your friendships, right? So there should be a comfortable pace, right? We shouldn't just be jumping in head first, like for friendships. You know, we come here, we come during new student orientation, or even, you know, returning as freshman, sophomore, junior to the campus. And we really need to make sure we're getting to know folks, right? And we're allowing them to get to know us at a comfortable pace. Just because, you know, we met and I showed you where the library was does not mean we're best friends, right? That takes time to build those relationships. Would you be surprised about how loosely folks use the term friend, right? That term of endearment, like they're like, oh, this is my friend such and such. And you literally just met them on the PRT two days ago. <laughs> also, making sure there's a comfortable fa- pace with our faculty members, right? So we're u- utilizing those open communications, but we're setting good, healthy boundaries, right? Not forming friendships like we would form with our peers because our faculty and staff are not our peers. So we want to have those healthy boundaries there. And then in our intimate relationships, it has to go at a comfortable pace, right? So we want to make sure we're talking about things. Um, we're building in all these relationships a level. We're building some honesty. We're building independence because you should be able to exist outside of those relationships that you're in. You should have your own identity, that inner independence. But we're also that that a Mountaineer core value of respect is present right there. And then there's equality and equity as well in those relationships. And then, of course, some fun and good, healthy conflict, because conflict can be healthy, um, especially if we're doing it in relationships where we're, again, setting those boundaries, having our voices heard, being independent. And then lastly, in those relationships, some responsibility should be present on both ends for whether or not communication is good or whether it's bad or indifferent or if we have some hiccups along the way. 
Okay. And so on the flip side of that coin, you know, what are some of the glaring signs of an unhealthy relationship? And so the, you're right. They are glaring. Sometimes I think we want to believe the best in people and the best in our, our, our situations. And so we ignore like literally the red railroad crossing flashing train is coming. We're like, oh, I can make it. And the train is literally right there. And the thing is down in the relationship. So in those, it's a lot of possessiveness. So we don't belong to other people, right? We can be in communion and exist parallel with other people. But again, independence from the healthy relationship can't exist if there's all this possessiveness. So if you have a friend who doesn't want you hanging out with anyone else and you're there, your only friend and all their time, all your time belongs to them. Or even as far as like, maybe you're in a mentorship relationship with a faculty or staff member, but there are some other areas you want to increase in your academic career. Or if you're a student athlete, right, there shouldn't be that possessiveness where you just belong to that particular sport or that group or that team or that academic area, right? You should be able to work interconnected and built relationships in other areas. And then in a relationship, there should be no possessiveness, right? Again, uh, we want to um, have those healthy factors. Some other glaring things are isolation. When you find yourself on the island by yourself and all you have is the person or persons in your group that are isolating you, um, manipulation. A lot of people sometimes think, oh, they just love me or they care about me or they really want me to see good, do good, especially in familiar relationships with our new students who are coming to campus for the first time, especially coming out of a pandemic. You might see a little more manipulation, sabotage, guilting, because there's a lot that's happened because of the COVID-19 pandemic within our family relationships. And so how dare you go off to college and do these things and leave and we need breadwinners and things like that. So we want to make sure that when we see those things like isolation, manipulation, sabotage and guilting, that we see those as negative signs because a good, healthy relationship is enhancing you. It's not making sure it's not your identity. It's enhancing who you already are as a person. Yeah. And I mean, I know that I, I see this in the media and undoubtedly you see it too, but do you think that there are some particularly unhealthy relationship characteristics that have really been romanticized by like society and the media. And do you, I wondered what your thoughts were on those things. Uh, there definitely has been. One of them is that hash that sticky hashtag. I don't like relationship goals that hashtag relationship goals. First of all, you don't know what's going on behind someone else's closed door. All you see is what they tell you what you're going to see. Right. And right. even it's kind of tucked and plucked in, 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 edit it to beyond recognition, right? Think about a lot of the songs that are on the radio right now, right? <laughs> like mm -hmm. it screams unhealthy relationships. It really is blaring like this is not healthy. The show you on Netflix, hopefully Netflix don't sue us, um, <laughs> it romanticizes stalking. And we know that stalking is a very negative, sometimes volatile and homicidal behavior that starts in relationships that are not healthy. And so while they romanticize and they say, oh, this is cute. That's not cute for your boyfriend to be popping out the laundry hamper and showing up everywhere you are and they don't have their own life. Even in some of like popular culture and media on social media, it makes it seem like that this, that the negative, it's it's romanticizing and really giving breath and life to the negative and healthy aspects of relationships. And again, if that's all our students are seeing, you know, like when we were growing up, Courtney, we played outside all day. We formed, you know, we formed those peer to peer in person, face to face. Now you have social media, you have dating apps, you have all these different things that are pressuring our students and you have magazine ads and you have TV commercials and you have celebrities 
celebrity relationships that are telling them this is how it's to be. Celebrity friendships, right? That aren't exactly positive, but this is all they know, all they're seeing. And so this is then how they fall into those cycles of abuse and unhealthiness. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, people lose their lives wrapped up in these things, whether it be by their own hand or by the hand of the person who claimed to care for them and love them. Right, right. And so I guess continuing along that vein, let's talk for a second about boundaries and what does what do boundaries, what role do they play in a healthy relationship? I always in any presentation, whether it's like a consent or healthy relationships or stalking presentation I do with students, one of the things we have to talk about is setting those boundaries. You have to teach other people how to treat you. And so we all have the ability to learn. We all, whether we're audio learners, visual learners, didactic by touching, like we all have that ability to learn. And so setting those boundaries, I always tell students, not doesn't just help in your romantic or friendships, right? But setting those boundaries helps academically too. Again, let's just say we're in a relationship as far as a mentorship with a faculty or staff member, and they're dominating all your time because they think you're an awesome, amazing student, but you're not just a student. You have there are other areas of your life. Think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. There are other areas on that hierarchy that need to be addressed as well. And so setting boundaries looks like saying practicing your power of no. I and my agenda is full, my schedule is full. No, I don't like this. I don't want to do that. It's not just going along to get along, being overly agreeable. It's okay to be agreeable in relationships and set a boundary. But when you have to be overly accommodating and overly agreeable, also setting boundaries sets the tone and the pace for making sure that relationship is moving in a comfortable pace, right? right. And showing that, you know, especially in friendships, right? We don't want to let someone in too soon. Not saying that we shouldn't trust people, but we want to make sure that person is genuinely there to be our friend and not just getting information they can hurt us with later or not getting information to seek to manipulate or use us however they want to use us and then move on to the next person. And that's one thing I, I notice students have a hard time setting. And I think it's because of a lot of social media. There's not really a lot of boundaries with social media. One of the biggest boundary violations I see that people oftentimes don't see is posting pictures Maybe you're out in a group, right? And you post, oh, out with my bestie downtown at this club. What if your friend has a stalker they haven't told you about? And now you just posted that you at Liquid, this section, by this door, and boom, now the stalker has showed up. Or, you know, just making sure that we're, we have those healthy communication, communicative boundaries about what I'm comfortable with versus your, how you're comfortable and how we're going to like kind of progress in our relationship. Okay. This is something that we talk about in my office too. Particular, we talk about more from like a time management perspective, but I, <laughs> I think it, there's definitely like a ton of overlap here. But we we try to use a formula to help people start because we see the same thing. Students don't know how to say no to something because whether that's like their club or organization, whether that's their roommate, whether that's their parent, you know, whether that's their professor, they don't know how to say no. And so we try to give them a very simple formula of Thank you, unfortunately, and then sort of a redirect. So like, hey, thanks for that invitation. Unfortunately, I have a chemistry test I have to study for. Like, maybe check with me next week. So that it kind of gives them a little bit of an out. It's not a solid, like, no. It's more of a check back with me later. But do you all, do you have, like, something similar that you tell students to do? Like, something like a, a quick tip to, like, start that process? Because it can be really tough. 
Right. So especially with students, because, right, they're here, they're learning, they're growing, they want to be involved. You know, we want them to be involved as well. Right. We don't want to just sit like a bump on the log doing nothing on campus, just going to class because we want them to be well-rounded people. So yeah. one of the things that when I sit down with students, we were talking about boundaries, especially students who are maybe in relationships that might not be as positive. I um, have like a little whiteboard calendar that I use. And so I break it out and I'm like, okay, let's write down all the things you do with this person, your friend, significant other, professor, whomever it may be. Cool. So now I want you to color in all the time you have for yourself with this color marker, highlighter. I want you to color in all the time you have for friends. And once they start realizing that that one color is because for me, I'm a visual learner, Courtney. Like I have to see things. I see things in pictures. Yeah. And so even in my job, when I sit down and I look and I'm like, most of my calendar is teal. That's prevention. Even on my weekends, my personal days, the teal is creeping into my weekends. I know. <laughs> I have to start to set some healthy boundaries for myself. Yeah. And so from there, we, we, I always tell people, hey, my agenda is full right now, but I love the idea. Maybe at this time, this would be a better opportunity for us to discuss. You know, when people are always like, oh, sexual assault, sexual assault, let's talk about it. You know, there's a whole month where we address, no, we should, we address it all year round, but there's this awesome month I'm always looking for partners for, April. It's our sexual assault and child abuse awareness prevention month. You would be awesome at this event at this time. And it gives us time to plan, get to know each other and see how our divisions can work best together. So one of the things outside that calendar is me modeling it for my students. If I look rough and raggedy because I'm not exercising my thank you, no thank you, maybe redirect with my students, then how can I expect them to do it? Right, exactly. Well, and then for unhealthy boundaries, and I kind of see this for unhealthy relationship characteristics too, because it's been romanticized. Like some people confuse an unhealthy characteristic for a healthy one. For example, like jealousy, you know, they think, oh my gosh, my partner's so jealous if I, you know, have friends who are gender as they are. And they're like, that's because they love me so much. And it's like, no, that's a trust issue. And like, there's, there's a whole like host of issues to unpack in that, but people think it's good. Do you see that with boundaries too? Like something that is glaringly unhealthy, but people think that it is healthy. Yes. I actually think that the jealousy and boundaries are interchangeable. They kind of work together, right? Because my partner is so jealous that they're now dominating all my time or this, this person is so excited about my future career and all of my skill set that they're now filling all of my time with this research, these opportunities, which mm-hmm. any other student will be lucky to have. And I'm blessed to have them. But now I'm stuck in this kind of like cycle and continuum, right? It's kind of like that power and control wheel that we talk about in in relationships. It's that continuum where we have that honeymoon phase of the boundaries and the jealousy being violated, but then something bad and volatile happens and we move back through through that continuum. And so a lot of times when boundaries are violated, people are like, oh, that's just because they care about me and they love me or they want me. And I honestly see it. You know, I see it a lot with parents, parents, parents. And I think as a parent myself, I could see how this can happen because they look at it as healthy. Like I'm violating my students' boundaries or my child's boundaries because I want to help them. But in actuality, we're disabling them and we're not enabling them to think for themselves, right? To go at a comfortable pace, to build trust and honesty. And so one thing is like, 
depending on the supervisory role in that relationship, I find that students have it easier setting boundaries with friends than they do with family members. Because with family, it's like, hey, I sacrificed to get you here. Or parents will like to pull out the, I'll pay your tuition. Just because you pay my tuition doesn't mean you get to violate my rights or you don't get to violate my space. You don't have to be in my circle all the time. And so sometimes it is a jealousy factor because maybe I didn't get to go to college, but my kid is getting this opportunity. Now I'm trying to live vicariously on parents weekend, i.e. last weekend through my kid and I'm doing all this extra stuff on campus versus I really want to just make sure my kid has an amazing experience as a mountaineer here at WVU. Yeah, I can definitely see that even in our work with online education. Like we'll see parents stepping in and in places where perhaps the student should be the one who's taking the lead on, on that action. So definitely, I, I'm, I'm feeling you there. So, well, now let's talk about consent because you've brought this up a couple times. So, you know, what role does consent play in a healthy relationship? Because for some reason, when it comes to sexual activity in particular, all of a sudden people don't, there's all this like misunderstanding about what consent is, but it's very obvious in other aspects. Cause I wouldn't just borrow your phone without asking you, I would say, Hey, Akia, can I borrow your phone? And if you said, no, I, I would not use it. So like, talk to us a little bit about like what role consent plays in healthy relationships. So I always use this. This is one of the new ones I'm using with students. Think about when you pull up the Starbucks or Dunkin' or any of those other places where we get coffee, right? Uh-huh. When you walk in, they don't just hand you a cup of coffee. Right. Nobody just hands you a cup of like, a latte or anything. They first ask you what your name is and they write your name on the cup, right? And so that's being informative, right? And then from there, they ask you what you what drink you want to order and how. And even if you just say, I want to ice mocha macchiato, right? Caramel macchiato. They don't just have like the one unless you follow up with this is what I want in it. Because they'll ask you, OK, what type of milk? Do you want it blended? Do you want it hot? Do you want it cold? Consent is as simple as a cup of coffee. You're just not going to hand out cups of coffee to people because I might want decaf. Courtney, you might want caffeine. Yeah. Or I might want Starbucks. Just because I'm in Starbucks don't mean I want coffee. I might want a slice of lemon loaf. You're, you cannot assume that when I walk into your establishment, it's the same thing in relationships. You cannot assume that you know what I want, right? There are things like I tell students all the time. You ask before anything happens, even in a friendship. Ask before you post a picture. Your friend could be in the witness protection program. You don't know their life. Like anything could be happening with them. And even in those boundary settings. And so I always tell people consent is the main ingredient to any healthy relationship because you cannot have comfortable pace. You cannot have trust. You cannot have honesty. You cannot have independence, respect, equity or equality. Right. Any healthy conflict without that main ingredient of consent. Lacking consent is almost like baking chocolate brownies without salt. And most people like you can do without salt. Go bake you some chocolate brownies and don't add the, that little tea, four for teaspoon of salt. It's going to be the nastiest brownies you have ever tasted in your life. Right. Because just that little pinch of salt, that little pinch of consent is really what binds all those other ingredients together to make set brownies, just like with coffee, the barista has to ask what you need. And then they then hand you with on the side what you asked for. So then you can see this boom, boom, boom. This is happening. It's the same thing in relationships. We have to have consent in every level because it is the foundation to any type of relationship. Again, familial, you know, uh, parents are guilty of it. Again, I'm a mom, so I can see myself in the future just violating it for my daughter, just 
you know, you know the parents who email you, and it's like, I know your student know how to email me, and I'm I, nine times out of ten, your student don't even know you emailing me. First right. of all, nosy. Secondly, what kind of, you know, you're taking that consent away from them. We're preaching get consent before sex, before sex, and yes, we want them to get consent before intimate interactions. But consent should be present in any other relationship, whether it's familial, friendship, intimate, or academic, right? We have to get their consent before we share their grades. So why not get their consent before we volunteer them for a committee or, you know, any of those different things. And so the more we practice consent in every aspect of relationships, the easier it's going to be for students to understand it in an intimate setting as well, because it becomes an everyday practice. Yeah, I feel like we should do a health communication campaign together, Akia, all about like consent and relationships. We probably can't use the Starbucks cup because, child, we might get sued. Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to come up with something else, maybe like Hatfields or like something, I don't know, Jasmine's, that's the one in the lair. Uh, <laughs> or you get jazzy, get consent, I love it. <laughs> Sodexo is not a sponsor of this podcast. We want to be, we, have, we will talk to you. All right, well, thank you so much, Akia. And I know, so this episode is going to be released right in the middle of your week of action, which is the week of October 25th through the 29th. So is there anything that you want to sort of plug on that Wednesday night, Thursday, or Friday for our listeners? So on that Wednesday night, which will fall on the 27th, we're going to be in the rhododendron room in the mountain layer. We're going to be doing our inaugural Should You Stay With Bay relationship panel discussion. It's not going to be your typical panel discussion where you ask panelists questioners talking at you. We're going to be in a socially distanced circle um, and we're going to be talking about some scenarios where unhealthy relationships happen. We're going to be unfortunately revisiting the, the the unfortunate death of a lot of students due to not having those healthy relationship boundaries and things like that. And looking at from all lenses, like I have my amazing partners from LGBTQ Center. I have my amazing partners from WVU, Caruth, Residence Life. We're all coming to show that in all these areas, we've got some amazing academic faculty who are going to be there to talk about what this looks like, what the research says. We're just, I promise you, I'm just not making this up off the top of my head here. So definitely also check out the Peer Advocates Instagram at WV Peer Advocates. All of our events will be posted there, tabling, doing some great events. And we really just want to educate our students, faculty and staff during this week of action. Awesome. So I'll make sure to drop the Peer Advocates Instagram handle into uh, the description for this podcast, in addition to a link to Akia's office and their website, just so folks can go and, and check out everything that is going on. But Akia, again, thank you so much. Always love chatting with you. And to our listeners, we thank you as well. And we hope to catch you next time on Wellbeing Wednesdays. 